Alright everybody, welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. Wow, that's a good start. Um, Pretty excited about this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about um, my home state. I don't actually live there anymore, but uh, my home state of Utah tonight. I've got Seth on the line, and we're going to chat a a little bit about some of the things that are going on in Utah this year. Some changes, some updates. Try to keep you guys updated on what's going on in each state. We're going to try and do this more often. Before we jump into that, though, uh, we do want to thank our sponsors for the podcast. Vortex Optics, they sponsor everything that we do here at eHunter, and we're grateful for them and, and their support in everything that we do, but especially the podcast. Make sure and check them out at vortexoptics.com. And also, we have a, a new sponsor this month for the podcast, which is Phonescope. Um, that's phone, P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E. Um, Phonescope is a, an adapter that you can use on your phone. You can put your phone in the, in the case, attach it to your binoculars or your spotting scope or whatever you want, and then um, take pictures and video through that application. Um, it's pretty awesome. I use it a lot. Uh, I think most of us at eHunter, we use our Phonescopes quite a bit. So a lot of the pictures you see on our social media and whatnot, it's from Phonescope. But we appreciate them and their support um, of the podcast and, and really everything that they do over there. So... Appreciate them. Uh, appreciate your guys, your guys' support as well. Make sure that you guys are subscribed to the podcast and share it around with uh, those that you think would be be interested in it. So now that we got all that fun stuff out of the way, let's jump into this podcast. So, like I said, I've got Seth on the line. Seth, you want to say hi? Hey, how are you doing, guys? Welcome to the podcast yet again, Seth. You're, you're becoming a regular on this. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna turn the turn the ropes over to you, man. Just let you start doing oh, this. Oh man, I don't know if I'm that good yet. I'm not <laughs> as professional sounding as you are. Whatever, you got a better ro- uh, radio voice than I've got. <laughs> face for radio, maybe not a voice. <laughs> I definitely don't have the face for that either. In it for anything, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you and I are both from Utah, so I think this is gonna be kind of fun to to chat about um, what's going on with Utah, you know, every year, every state comes out with new things that are going on. There's also news articles that we're putting up on the website. You you write most of those articles, so you've been heavily involved in that. Um, and so we're going to chat a little bit about that tonight. We're going to keep it very informal. Um, hopefully we answer some of your guys' questions out there. And if we don't, please leave a comment on the podcast or send us an email or whatever. Um, we'd love to, to get back with, with you guys on some questions that you have. But Seth, let's jump into it, and let's start um, kind of with what's new with uh, with Utah, because um, there are some some different things. So I'll, I'll first turn it over to you. What what do you have there that uh, that you know that's new in Utah right now? So some of the bigger ones. I mean, there's there's a lot of new stuff every year, but but some of the bigger ones that got a lot of attention um, this year were new new hunts were brought up, and some hunts were changed. Um, some of those big ones. So, so the elk season in Utah, limited entry wise, um, typically the middle of September, the peak rut is actually our rifle hunt. Um, and for years and years, a lot of people had complained that they wanted to have the archery hunt, which is early, kind of hard. It's it's still hot. The elk aren't rutting yet. They wanted to have an elk season more dedicated to archery rut hunting. Um, so what they did on some of the, I wouldn't call them lesser units, but I don't know. They're, they're more, I guess, easier to draw more opportunity type hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still limited entry, but, but a little easier to draw. They, um, so what they did is they created an archery hunt for them that runs from September 1st to September 30th. 
And then they, to add to that, once October rolled over, the the hunt became, and then you had different applications, so you have to apply for either one. But but once it hit October, they became a hams hunt, which is handgun, archery, muzzleloader, shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so currently, I think there's five or six new hunts that they they call new hunts. They they basically turned these <laughs> regular limited entry hunts into these. But there's uh, Box Elder Sawtooth, Cache North, Nine Mile Anthro, uh, Quirst Stansberry, and then Plateau Barney Top, which is, or, you know, Caparowitz. It's kind of a, a southern part of the boulder where yeah. there's not as many elk. Um, and then they did the Southwest Desert North, which you're probably more familiar with than me. Um and then they did the West Desert Deep Cricks, which kind of surprised me because the Deep Cricks is remote and and pretty hard to hunt. There's not a lot of access, but I've seen some really nice elk come off of there. Um, but they did end up doing that as well. So that, that has the archery hunt that runs the whole month of September and then the new hams hunts, which I think they're like, they're pretty long. I think they're October to, to sometime in November. I'll have to double check that. I was just looking for that to see if I could find that, that hams hunt to be able to tell you those dates yeah you know this yeah that so i did i did a podcast with kobe jones who's a big game coordinator with utah we talked about these hams hunts and kind of what they consist of and yeah they're they're former basically former limited entry hunts that are now hams hunts and uh you know they're I don't want to say they're in bad units, but they're just not in the best units. Right. Um, you know, but I, you know, I guess I, I see what Utah is trying to do as far as present more opportunity to hunters, which I, I appreciate that because I, I mean, I, you know, that's awesome. I, I love more opportunities um, as a hunter, but um, I don't know that I would burn points or anything like that on one of these. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, me personally, just to look at it, most of these units I, I know very little about. Um, my buddy hunts deer on the Stansberry, so I would have to default to him to, to know. Um, never spend any time on Barney Top or anything like that. But, you know, being a, a desert guy, I, I'm always spending time in the desert. I have seen and, and know people that have killed some pretty quality bulls off the, the Deep Creek, which was the only hunt that really surprised me because I, I agree with you I, I see what they're trying to do taking kind of their their lesser limited entry units that aren't as popular and and giving them a boost in that guys get to hunt for a month um they're going to be peak rut so the elk on those units are going to be talking more you might see a little more archery success and, and and you know you don't have guys that are super angry because their favorite 20 plus point limited entry unit all of a sudden became a hams slash archery hunt so i looked up the dates so yeah it's from october 1st to november 15th so it's a month and oh, a half long yeah, that's a, that's long a hunt. really long hunt on the hams <laughs> yeah. side okay so i can only really speak i don't know a lot of the other units i guess i, I... I guess I do know some of them, um, but like you said, the Southwest Desert North, it, for me, that's my bread and butter. I, I lived there my entire life and spent more time than I dare tell my wife how much time I've spent there. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and just to be honest, you know, like like I said, the these units aren't the best units. And so when they first came out with this and they said Southwest Desert, I kind of freaked out a little bit because you're right. You know, these guys that, and I'm one of them, that has 
20 points and I'm like, are you kidding me? This this unit that I've been putting in for 20 years, now they're just going to make it this. And then when they kind of, kind of found out the details on it that it's going to be just the north area, well, uh, let's be honest, the north area of the southwest desert really is not the best for elk. Um, you might get lucky, uh, but the chances are pretty slim. Right. So... Um, yeah, like, I think it's pretty cool, like, and being a, a bow hunter first, like, I, I grew up rifle hunting, but, but fell into to loving bow hunting a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think that the, the archery elk hunters did kind of get a raw deal. Yeah. I mean, they, they by far have the worst weapon system and they have the worst dates. Yep. So I could see that the desire to be like, you know what, I'm going to pick a lesser unit if I get to hunt all month long in the rut yeah so so to me i, I kind of see why they would do it and and i'm all about i i don't know i think and then i might anger some of my utah people but i, I think <laughs> there's there's a a culture in utah that we have a really hard time hunting especially deer in the rut but if it's a limited entry elk hunt it seems like there's no problem just killing with 90% success rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hunting with a rifle in the middle of the rut. That's just amazing yeah. to me. Yeah, and so, and then to me, I, I, I kind of see it, you know, the, the bow hunters need needed something to, to get excited about. And, and I think, I don't know if it did a, a great job, but I, I do think it's a, a decent opportunity um, on that end. Yeah, I like the dates for it. It's, it's August 21st to September 22nd now for the archery. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think that's much better dates for the for bull elk. I mean, like you said, you're gonna give the guy that's ha- has the hardest weapon to hunt at least during their rut. At least, hopefully, during their rut. I don't know. Last year was kind of crazy. The rut didn't start until really late, uh, especially here in Colorado. I, I would imagine Utah was kind of the same way. They started screaming really, really heavily. At least on my local units, they they started talking really heavily about the twentieth. So on that hunt, you might have been right at the end, but they did start pretty get going pretty hard about the twentieth of September last year. So I was hunting first season uh, rifle here in Colorado, which uh, I think is right around the tenth of October, the tenth to the. 15th or something like that is when our when that first season rifle was and man they were still i mean they were screaming like crazy here in fact the bull that i shot last year it's it bugled like seconds before i shot it and i was like and actually that's how i found him too is he bugled back in the trees it was so weird in you know like middle of october and i'm hunting elk in the rut it was kind of different for us over here yeah yeah and that's, you know, that's kind of how it is. Like, I think our spike hunt here starts on the 6th of October. And and depending on the year, you'll still hear quite a few bulls going in in that season, like the beginning of that season. But they usually start to wind down pretty quick after that around here, unless, unless you get a really hot September and it drags into that October time. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so... Yeah, you know another change that I wanted to kind of talk about since I'm a non-resident, I did want to make it make a comment about this. So I think everybody knows this by now. The, the application period for Utah is it's over. It was when did it end? Was it March fourth, something like that? Yes. Yeah, it was March fourth. Um, so kind of a moot point at, at this point. Uh, and if you've applied to Utah, you already know this, but there was an increase in non-resident uh, fees. Uh, 
not by much, but it, it was enough to be like, what the heck? <laughs> wasn't it about, uh, well, I, I just know from general season deer, wasn't it about a hundred bucks on general season deer from like two ninety eight to three ninety eight, or am I, am I behind the times there? Uh, well, I'm honestly not sure to be completely honest with you. Let's see. I didn't, I haven't checked for non-resident in a while. Nobody ever wants to come to my state and hunt. <laughs> but I personally know. <laughs> well, I apply for Utah every year. So I know that the uh, application fee did go up a little bit this year. In fact, you know what's something I haven't looked at is what the permit cost is going to be. So for elk, uh, let's see, limited entry. Oh, goodness. It's yeah, it's, it's up, up to $1,000 now. Yeah, I seen Buffalo was like, I want to say something outlandish, like thirty five hundred or something. Holy it moly, was, is it, it really? Way, it was way up there. I looked, I looked briefly before this podcast. It was, it. I can't remember. It was way up there. Uh, let's see, bison oh. permit fees. So bison not on Antelope Island, twenty two hundred. Oh, so maybe the islands more. I seen the one islands, of them when I was kind of shocked. Yeah, the islands up to twenty six hundred, which that did go up, but. That's crazy. That's a that's a lot of money. Yeah, actually, well, I guess you compare it to other states, it's not quite as bad as some other states for bison. But, right, dude. How about Utah putting bison on the cover of their brochure this year? That was that was yeah. a pretty bold move. <laughs> I love them, dude. The big shaggies, man. That's yeah. my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my lifetime achievement award if I ever get a tag, man. That's that's what I decided to go with on my my non or my once in a lifetime. Nice. So. See the beautiful thing about being non-resident is I can put in for everything. So I know. you know man, that's that's some BS. Are you gonna come move? Are you gonna move back and have all these points? <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. I'm hoping that move back comes pretty quick and I can start drawing these tags because this is a non-resident. I'm chasing it forever. I'm never gonna get it. Uh, but yeah, with a non-resident, you're just building points to yep. look cool. But it's it's pretty awesome when I finally do get to move back to Utah and have a bank of points for every single limited entry animal out there that's that's pretty uh, awesome that's fine move back in enough time and i'll just ride your coattails and hey. we'll, we'll put them deer together heck yeah let's do it that that'd be <laughs> awesome i i do think it's jacked up that utah does that though like yeah i mean i, I, mean, I, I understand sure why but it's just so difficult for a non-resident to draw they just don't figure it's that big of a deal mm-hmm. i'm guessing it's but. a way to get money too i mean they know that we're not going to draw so they let us put in for everything. Let us give them their money. And, and if, if I wasn't planning to U- move back to Utah at some point, I would not. There's no way I'd be putting in for all this stuff. But knowing right. that I will move back, I, well, I hope I do. Um, <laughs> uh, absolutely. it's a, It benefits me in my situation. But for those normal non-residents out there, guys, uh, it's it's pretty tough to draw some of these tags. Pretty, pretty steep. Yeah, pretty steep odds on a lot of that stuff. So what else is new that you came across? Um, so I guess we'll still go with the hunts since we discussed the elk hunts. Um, a couple just quick ones they've changed up. Um, so pronghorn, I know it's not everybody's first choice, but wah, wah, wah. They, yeah, so they <laughs> they discontinued the Boulder Plateau um, hunt, which was really weird because that's always been like. It's been the unit they pull antelope off to to start new herds or, or trade with people. Yeah, um, and it's been it's been pretty hammered. I, I think personally, in my opinion, they were they were giving too many tags, and a lot of pressure. They they do all their counts there. They chase them with helicopters, like I say, to net them, and and so they were pretty scattered. Um, 
I don't know. They they claim that a lot of the the antelope have moved up into the high country of the the boulder, and so if you're not yeah. familiar with the boulder, it's just this giant plateau that sits anywhere from I don't know, like on the top, anywhere from like nine to eleven thousand feet. Um, and they claim a lot of these antelope have pushed up into the pines and stuff. I, I mean, I've spent some time down there. I, I've seen a few kind of on the edge of the pines. But I've never seen them deep into the the, the high country, if you want to call it that. Um, either. So so what they've done is they've discontinued the, what they called the the plateau boulder, and they've they've created a new hunt called the highlands that only allows hunters to hunt this high country. And their their theory or their thought process is that the pressure will push these antelope back into normal antelope habitat i guess i don't know i think it just needs a break i think they need to reduce harvest but mm-hmm. i agree um so that's a new one kind of a new one slash trying to fix problems i'm guessing um and then they also did some switching around with my buffalo hunts <laughs> uh, i wanted to bow hunt on the henry's and uh due to some complaints of early migration from the bow hunters pressure and stuff they have discontinued the archery hunt early in the year and moved it to the very end of the year in january when the buffalo have migrated and they're way out on the the mesas um after the rifle hunters have have got after them chase them around Uh, i won't be putting in for that hunt um (laughs) nope no good luck if you do yeah i'll be figuring something else out to do with my my buffalo points um and then I guess the only other kind of goes along with that discontinued hunt. Uh, they discontinued all the management hunts on the Henrys. So that... And park, or yeah, that's right. It's just the Henrys for deer, right? Yeah. And then that Parker Mountains, that that plateau unit. So it was for called Black Pronghorn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But but for Henrys, they discontinued the management buck hunt. So what that was for people that don't know is, uh, you couldn't shoot a four by four. It had to be. A three point on one side at least yeah. so it could be a three by eight or whatever but it had to be a, a, a three point on the one side um and i'm guessing i haven't read all of it but I, i'm guessing their buck to doe ratio got to where they wanted it so they stopped doing that or they haven't seen as many management type deer um i'm not sure exactly the, the thought process behind it but they have discontinued that hunt See that goes back to my comment about opportunities. Is that that kind of takes away an opportunity because well, we both grew up in Utah. You know, Henry Mountains is something that you kind of idolize. You always want to go there and hunt at some point. And you know, there's there's people like, okay, yeah, let's do a management hunt on it. At least we get to hunt the Henrys. And so you, I, I feel like you're kind of taking away a little bit of that opportunity. And I, if, I wish I knew the reason behind that. And maybe I should have done a little bit more homework to decide what the reasoning was behind it. But. And a girl from my hometown, so my only experience with it is as a girl from my hometown uh, four or five years ago, maybe even longer, she killed a really beautiful, just a, a great big heavy three by three, but nearly a 30 inch buck. I mean, just, mm-hmm. just a great big buck that, you know, you don't have that opportunity. And that type of buck, the reason he's great big is is he's not getting shot on the Henry's most times. You know, most yeah. guys are looking for a a 200 inch buck or bust on that unit it's it's probably the best unit in in the state if not maybe several states but it's uh 
see, but now a lot of guys are going to think, okay, well, now those genetics aren't going to be taken out of that herd. So that big, solid three-point, which is a cool buck, by the way. I love big three-points. But now everybody's going to think, okay, that's going to be putting its genetics into the herd as well or where, when before it would have been taken out. And so it wasn't passing on its genetics. So I'd actually like to see that implemented on some of the other limited entry units that aren't premium. Yep. Um, some of my favorite limited entry units have a terrible big two-point genetic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would love to see that. I, I mean, I would probably apply for it because I've seen some just giant two points. Uh, probably the biggest framed deer I've ever seen in my life was a two by three um, out on that limited entry unit. And I would have shot him in a heartbeat, even with my regular tag. He was, yeah. his frame was so gigantic. Um, but I'm sure that buck never got killed. Uh, a lot of guys do not go out on the limited entry hunt with the thoughts of shooting a, a two-point. No, so. no, but not many people would. But you're right. I've, I've seen that on some of those other units as well, some of those big two and three points. And, yep, they just, they're just going to live on forever, passing on their right. their uh, genes. And I think it has, to be, it has to be something to do with the buck-to-doe ratio because they kept this same hunt active on the Ponsagon. Yeah. Uh, so it has to be something to do with buck to doe ratio. I, I should have read more into it to, to be on top of that. But, um, but uh, other new stuff. I guess we'll just move yeah, right keep, along. Keep here. it rolling, man. Uh, <laughs> um, so a big one. I mean, I guess it's a big one. <laughs> um, so the general season elk hunt, or what we call the any bull hunts Open in bowl. Utah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, earlier this year, they, the Division of Wildlife suggested that they go to unlimited elk permits uh, on these units. Now, these units are, are typically not amazing elk habitat, but they do hold some elk. Um, this is a very low success, high opportunity hunt as it is. And so they kind of were just thinking, throw it open to everybody um, and, and let you go see if you can get lucky. Um, the wildlife board didn't like that thought process as much. So what they did is they increased it uh, from 15,000 permits to 17,500. Um, but they put a stipulation in there that they will give unlimited youth permits for these hunts. So anybody youth, which is uh, what now, 12 to 18, mm-hmm. uh, can purchase a permit or they're their parents or whatever as long as they're a youth and they get to go hunt a big game animal every year if they want they don't have to wait for our our general season deers on a on a draw system so they don't have to wait to get a a deer permit they can just grab an elk tag and go so i think it's pretty cool keeps the kids excited and and gives them a chance to hunt big game and not have to wait a few years to go so i agree i think that's an awesome idea for you to get them out anything that you can do to get the youth started into it get a tag in their pocket i mean i remember when i was a kid and had that tag in my pocket it was it was wonderful so um i agree i don't know i was thinking about this while you were talking about that and i kind of want to get your thoughts on it what's your thoughts on the the spike hunt and how utah manages the spike elk hunt so i'll be honest with you in all my years of hunting I've only ever hunted spikes twice. It was when I was pretty young, and I think they, my my parents did it or, or paid for it because neither of them really hunted them anyways, but I think they did it to get me out, right, mm-hmm. to give me the ability to hunt something else other than the deer permits every couple years. Um, 
So I don't know. I think I think it's kind of that that middle line of it's an opportunity hunt. Um, it's it's really popular in in the state. A lot of people that's their hunt for the year. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know how you do it any differently. You know, they've got these any bull permits um, versus the limited entry, and and I don't think you would. I don't think you would find that people would be happy if you threw a few more units into the the open bowl. You know, if these if these guys were really in love with a unit, you know, say you're say you're super in love with I don't know the Stansberry, and it doesn't matter that it doesn't have great elk. You just want to hunt elk on the Stansberry. How upset would you be if you had limit entry points and then they just threw your unit into kind of a open bowl or if they put a point restriction on it you know maybe it's yeah. got to be a, a raghorn or or whatever i just don't know how well that would be received and and i to me you know it's I, it's not my cup of tea I, I don't i don't think shooting the spikes all that that cool but i know my, my cousins and friends are all super into it that's their hunt they love hunting it um so i i don't know i think i mean they've done okay i mean they do it on all the limited entry units it doesn't seem to have hurt some of the big bulls, but I, I think what's hurt big bulls more than anything is they they've lowered age objective to to harvest more elk, but that's because we have such a point creep issue. So yep. it's kind of is what it is, I guess. So I've always been a I've always been a spike hunter, and, and the reason I'm a I do hunt spikes at least when I, I did it when I was a resident. I haven't done it since I've moved away, but um, is because I knew I wouldn't get that limited entry bull tag but i wanted to go hunt elk so kind of like you said it gives you that opportunity to just go hunt and i didn't really do it thinking that okay i get a, a spike and actually i did I, i've shot a lot of spike elk over the years more than i i thought i would but um I, I think it was just an opportunity to to get out and be in the mountains and take time off work and just just go hunt when i knew that i wouldn't begin that limited entry tag but i do think that utah could do a little bit better with the managing of it like i i hate the statewide um spike elk tag and I, I think it's still the same way that if you buy a spike elk tag you can pretty much go to all of the open units um right. it works state. so now currently if you buy i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure in the wording if you buy an open bowl permit you can hunt any open bowl unit for an open bowl which means any any antlered elk See, or you can take that same tag and go hunt spikes in spike units See, and I wish they would break it down, break it into like, okay, if I buy a spike tag, I'm buying it specifically for, for this unit. This yeah, mm-hmm. rather than I think that would make sense. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a better management. I and I don't know why they do it. I wonder if they get more sells by making it open like that. I, I don't. I'm not sure, but I'm sure it is because it's probably a situation where like a guy gets one and he's not having a great time where he's at, but maybe he's got some buddies that hunt a different unit and they're seeing elk or they want to go hang out with them or whatever. And so they still have a permit that allows them to, you know, cross four or five units and go hunt with his buddies. I- I'm guessing yeah. it's the thought process behind it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. I, I just think it'd be more organized and you wouldn't have, cause, cause the bad thing about that, and I've seen this as I've spike hunted in the past that there is just a plethora of guys hunting in this unit and you know that you know they don't live in that area you know that they well it's 
it's a similar issue. Sorry to cut you off, but, no, but it's a similar it's a similar issue to what happened, what was happening prior to them restricting deer and, and creating a whole bunch of units. Um, we had these huge general season regions that that covered. I mean, there was only five or six in the entire state, so they were covering mass sections of the unit or the state, and they were they were basically saying, okay, you've got a, a central permit for deer. You can hunt anywhere in the central. The problem was, is what they found is the large majority of people were buying a central permit and large portions of the state were not getting hunted. And so, you know, you had 20,000 people stacked in a 10 mile radius because yeah. that's where deer were. Yep. And I think you have the same issue when it's bike elk hunting Mm-hmm. is you've got that same issue probably. You probably have a lot of guys stacking on top of each other because that's good elk habitat um, and yeah. creating an issue that way. So, Yeah, I think that's exactly it. People kind of learn where where the where a lot of spike elk are and they just kind of congregate right there. And it's, it's crazy. It turns a dirt road into powder pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's an issue anyways in Utah because we never get any water. So. Did you guys get any snow from this storm that came through? A little bit, um, at least where I was at, yeah. Good. It dusted, dusted the mountains, and then we had it for overnight. We had it stick, and then probably by about 10 today, it was all gone again. Oh, man. Supposedly, we were supposed to get about two feet of snow here in Colorado over between tonight and um, Sunday night. So we'll, we'll see if that comes through, but I'm not, I don't know. It probably will because we get pounded with you snow over here. You guys get a lot more than us. And oh. It crosses those mountains and just starts dumping. But. It does. It's crazy. Hey, let's uh, let's help out. Yeah. Well, do you, have, do you have any other new things that you want to talk about? Um, I think we pretty much covered the majority of them. I mean, I'm sure there's a few little lesser known ones, but I don't see anything that we haven't hit. So Okay. One thing I did want to kind of go back to real quick was uh, the non-resident fees, and I, I looked it up. It, it wasn't big enough to make that big of an impact to me, apparently. But it was they changed it from ten dollars to fifteen dollars per species. Is all that was. Oh. So, oh, uh, the application fee. Yeah, oh, for the okay. application fee, they did they did increase okay. that this year. Um, let's help out some of the people that maybe want to hunt Utah. In fact, I was on the phone the other day with a guy that really wants. To, he lives in um, he lives in Georgia, and really wants me to take him hunting and you know he was asking me a bunch of questions about you know hunting in utah and what it's like well he's asking me about utah and colorado because those are kind of my stomping grounds now but let's help help out some of these people that are maybe looking to come to utah at some point um maybe kind of want to get their feet wet in it so let's talk about some of the the top units for for deer and elk um we'll probably just do those two species because it would take all night to do everything and let's kind of talk about some of the better dates as far as what weapon to hunt with so so what would you say the top let's start with elk what would be some of the top elk units in utah um so i'm assuming you're talking just to verify limited entry right yes yeah limited entry elk um so i've got a few uh come to mind um for me and it it may have changed but for me it's always been uh the fillmore pavant that's that's probably as as high up there as it can get it's i mean my uncle's hunted it my dad's hunted it it's consistently 24 25 points every year to draw it mm-hmm. um, at one time it's where basically every outfitter lived to to hunt elk i don't know if it's still that way but 
the Bavant's definitely up there. Um, the Monroe Mountain is is very become very popular. It used to be not super popular, a little bit quiet, but Monroe Mountain has has gotten a lot of attention lately. Hard to draw, really nice elk. Um, San Juan is actually good for for both deer and elk. The San Juan uh, unit produced consistently produces big bulls. Um, and then it kind of starts to, to peter there. That's kind of the big three, but you can you can throw in in uh, units like the Beaver um, Beaver East West is I think an open bull unit now, but but Beaver East is is really good, and so is the the Boulder Mountain Plateau. Um, and then you know, it goes down from there and starts dropping yeah. off and on. Uh, I think it drops pretty quick. <laughs> Once you go past the boulder, it's pretty quick down to yeah. some of those they, other units. My my sleeper pick, like a little bit lesser known, that doesn't take you max points to draw. I, I've seen some really good elk around my old stomping grounds, which would be the Mount Dutton. Mm-hmm. Mount yep. Dutton, I've seen some really nice elk. Um and so I think you could probably do pretty well on the Dutton as well. It's kind of a not max point one that you might be able to pull with, I don't know, 18 or 20, depending on the, the weapon. That's that's the great thing about Utah. I mean, most of the units for you guys that live out of out of state or even the people that live in state and want to get into elk hunting or maybe get into the higher points they've just been buying points is most units are going to do pretty well. I mean, I've, I've seen big bulls taken off the – the Manti, you know, one of my good buddies shot a, a 360 bull off of the Manti. Beautiful, beautiful bull. I, I would take him in a heartbeat on any unit. So, yeah, I, and I would agree with you on your, your top ones. Um, it, it is funny, though, where you're from northern Utah, I'm from southern Utah, I probably would have actually flip-flopped your uh, your list for me because, <laughs> I mean, San Juan... You want well, the beaver and the San Juan, huh? Yeah, beaver, San Juan, and Boulder have always been kind of the, those top three, the top echelon right. of elk hunting um, right. for me. But but I don't know. That top five that you gave, is a it's a pretty dang good top five. I don't think you'd go wrong with any of those. <laughs> any of those units, you're going to be seeing and, con- and consistently hunting 340 to 360 class bulls. You'll, you'll see some of those true giants, but but a lot of them bulls are going to be your 330 to 360 class on those units. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about those units is you'll see a lot of bulls too. I yep. mean, you'll, you'll, especially if you're hunting those, those hunts during the rut, you'll, you'll see quite a few bulls as you're out there looking around. Yep. As you come, as you come down to some of the other units, uh, it's going to get fewer and farther between. You will see them, uh, but it's just not going to be as often, at least in that, that age class of bull. You'll, you'll see less yeah. of them. And like, like I say, like there's the, the unit with probably the most elk in the state is, is the Wasatch, but they're harvesting a, a ridiculous amount of elk off of it. They are. <laughs> it, yep. it is a limited entry unit, but it is their definitely their opportunity limited entry tag. It, it has a ton of elk, but you're, you're, it used to be better, but they've, they've increased the harvest. And so you're probably hunting more around the lines of a, a 300 to a 320 class bull. And that's still a great bull for a lot of people. But, but in Utah, it's, it's, it's on the lower, I shouldn't say the lower end, but it, it's when guys draw an elk tag that they've waited 20 years for, they want to shoot a 350 or bigger. That's exactly. just, that's just the mindset. Yep. So on that point though, if you are lower on the point scale and you only have, you know, 10 to 15 points, Wasatch right. a good unit, is a good unit to look at so that you don't have to wait another 
10 or yep. 15 years to draw the tag. Get that tag. Go shoot a 320 bull and be as happy as can be about it. I know a lot of guys that have drawn with, with under 10, you know, 7, 9, you know. Wow. Wow. Oh, and 11 you know they give so many permits it, it, you get those guys that are lucky you know i mean when there's uh-huh. so many permits in some of those guys with low points are, are gonna get lucky so yeah that's so true uh what about uh mule deer let's talk a little bit about mule deer i mean i've got my two that are the, the top of the echelon but what are yours well so my i guess what i'll, I'll put a little asterisk here non-residents can't apply for it but but the biggest deer probably some of the biggest deer in the state come off of antelope island and now i know it's a state park and and you're only getting two tags a year but but it is it has to be when you're talking about trophy class deer in in utah it has to be at least mentioned problem is non-residents can't apply for it right um other than that to me uh the the next four i have written down is is obviously the henry's and the Mm ponsacon those are one and two yep um, and then I have San Juan, and this one might throw people, but I have the Oak Creek film. Love that. I love that unit. That is it's, that one's creeping up cool my time. list. I shouldn't say that out on a podcast, but that one is creeping up the list. <laughs> well, see, 10 years ago, the funny thing is 10 years ago, it was easier to draw than burn it. And then people started knocking down some pretty nice deer, and it has rocketed up. It is is very difficult to draw again. So, do you remember the uh, article that we wrote on our website about the guy that or the the deer that was poached on that unit? Did you see the pictures of that that deer I that was shot? I think I did. Yeah. Whew, yeah. That thing was I'd a beast. So I used to I shouldn't say this, but I used to duck hunt west of there. Don't go uh-huh. hunt my duck spots, okay? Uh, <laughs> and so duck hunting's typically in the winter time, November, December, January, and the hay fields and stuff to the west of that mountain i have seen some really nice quality deer so yeah actually one of the biggest bucks i've ever seen on the hoof alive was on that unit uh actually just messing around looking to shoot some jackrabbits and jumped him out of a wash and it's a good thing i'm an honest person because boy was he a daddy yeah it's amazing you know i'm gonna throw one more unit in here just for people to think about and i really shouldn't i'm gonna regret this i know it but you know the pine valley that late season uh, muzzler tag on pine valley is a that's a pretty smoking tag for a limited entry i mean points wise you can draw lesser points and um man some of the animals that are on that oh it's it's crazy it's 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 creeping up that list as well well, as an as an asterisk, I guess we should bring that up. So, so what that is is that's a muzzleloader hunt that you're actually hunting general season deer units, but you're hunting them in early November. Yeah. With a muzzleloader, and and I'll say a lot of those units, um, they they still are difficult to draw mostly, but a lot of those units do produce some really nice deer. Um, Pine Valley's one. A lot of the central slash southern units yeah. that have this hunt, you you will you will find a really nice buck. Um, Fish Lake. I mean, there's there's a bunch of them in there that that produce some some really nice deer uh, late in the year like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you're probably not going to get up to the caliber of a Ponsagon. Then just we'll throw no. that out there. But, mm-hmm. but a little bit better draws. You're hunting deer in the rut, which is so cool. I mean. Yep. That's very yep. rare that anybody gets to do that. And with a muzzleloader that you can use any 
power of scope on. We kind of talked yep. about it before we hit record. Basically a single shot, single shot rifle, man. Yeah, it <laughs> really you, is. You can you put know. a turret on your dang muzzle loader. Yep. Twenty power, don't matter. Twenty yep. to two to whatever, and put a turret on it and. God, it nuts. In, shoot 150 grains of powder and lob that sucker out there thousand yards if you want <laughs> yep it's it's interesting that utah does that we we digress but but still <laughs> hunting with that that kind of caliber i mean that that kind of weapon yep. during the rut of mule deer that's a, that's pretty cool again you're probably not going to get the caliber of deer that you're going to get on the pond scout or, or the henry's um but still a cool hunt yep and so once once we drop off of those four or five uh, where, where do you go? I, I kind of have a sleeper one that, that kind of gets forgotten about and I probably shouldn't say anything about it, uh, but you mentioned mine, mine was the fish, my sleeper one was fish lake that I wasn't going to oh, mention, fish, but you already mentioned lake. it. So I'll, I'll bring it, it up. up. Yep. <laughs> <I screwed it laughs> up. Um, so mine, some of them, obviously I, I have a, a soft spot for, for Vernon, but, uh, it's not really a sleeper anymore. The point, the, the points to draw it are very high and I, I kind of feel the same way with the book cliffs. Yeah. Um, uh, some of them that get forgotten, you know, the, the Dolores Triangle over in the eastern part of the state, you're actually hunting Colorado deer migrating in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a late season. All all three hunts are late, archery, muzzleloader, and rifle. Uh, they they run through the month of November. Um, and then another one that kind of does that same thing up north is the, the Crawford Mountains. It's a it's a late, I think it's a muzzleloader only season, but it's it's a late muzzleloader hunt like late november type hunt mm. and, you're, and you're hunting deer coming out of wyoming and idaho i think so anytime you're hunting deer around thanksgiving it's a good deal it's a good, it's a good time yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like colorado i mean that's that's just what we yep. do over here but we've got the mecca of mule deer here in colorado it's a little bit different but lots of deer yeah so. it's it's unreal so well, that kind of gives everybody a general idea of some of the better units for those non-residents that are, are looking. And I know I've listened to many podcasts that have talked about those same units as well, but we kind of wanted to give you just kind of a general idea of some, if you're looking to hunt in Utah or you have been applying for points for a very long time, those are kind of some, some ideas for you to uh, think about. I also put on here, Seth, was kind of the better season dates and Obviously, during the rut is the best season dates, but are there any like kind of sleeper hunts that hit certain dates that you you like or have thought about? So obviously, we discussed elk, but but any, most any limited entry elk hunt is peak peak rut activity for the most part. So so if you're elk hunting and you don't want to go 25 points and you find a, a lesser you know point unit, you're still hunting them in in the most of the time anyway you're hunting them in peak elk rut so if you're if you're really not wanting to put in 25 points and you want to do it with 16 or something you're a little bit worried you're still hunting elk in in the middle part of september um as for deer you know there's a couple different things that can get you into that closer to the rut very few very few hunts in the state go that late but there are a few um obviously for the residents, Antelope Island, you're hunting them right in the peak of the rut. You have the whole island to yourself other than one other hunter. But you're basically winning the lottery to draw it. Um, and then there's also three hams hunts that were brought out. So that's that handgun, archery, muzzleloader, shotgun hunt again. But it's for deer. Um, and all three of those hunts are a rut hunt. They start 
November 13th, and I think they go to the end of the month. Um, so uh, two of the units are kind of general season units that have an overlapping, like a, a smaller unit inside of them, and they're they're these hams units. Uh, one of them is actually on the book cliffs. I shouldn't probably tell people, so now everyone's going to go try to hunt the book cliffs with it. But <laughs> Kobe already it, talked it, about that on the previous podcast. He, okay. he brought that okay. one up, so you're good. Yeah, so that one, that's, you know, you get to hunt a, a unit, and the one thing about the book cliffs, tons of deer. You may not, you may struggle to find it, you know, a 185 or a 200-inch buck, but you're going to see hundreds of bucks a day, probably, um, and you get to hunt them in the rut, so. Have you ever killed a deer on the on the book cliffs? No, no, I've known some buddies that have hunted it, I've spent a little bit of time out there, but no, I've never killed one out there. So I've got so. one that I killed out there, and I, those are cool deer to hunt, and for any of you guys that uh, have ever hunted there, so the deer that I got out there, his antlers were so dark. Like, yeah. there's something about those book cliff animals that, uh, or those book cliff deer, book cliffs deer, their antlers are extremely dark. It's cool looking. Yeah, my my only limited entry. Well, I guess my one of my limited entry bucks. He he came off of Vernon, and he was really light colored. His his hide everything living in the desert man so he was ah, kind of bleached a little bit yeah he was real light and it's funny because he's he's slick hair no scars you know they end up aging him at, at four and a half years old and just slick and, and pretty and then i killed one on the extended archery hunt up by salt lake and he ended up aging the same age and he's scars all over his face ears are ripped up just just the difference between a a general season deer and unlimited entry that's crazy my wife my wife calls him pretty boy he's all slicked up and (laughs) no scratches and stuff so nice (laughs) you know i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw one other season date out there that i absolutely love um you know we talked about utah kind of being dry and not getting the snow i love archery hunting in utah i mean just i know the dates are kind of different now but if you've ever hunted in Utah in August, it's hot and dry. Like it is just, it's hot. Um, and so I've, I've really enjoyed those dates because one, I actually like hunting in the heat and two, um, it gives you a little bit more of an advantage on, on the deer. Yes, you have a bow in your hand, so you have the hardest weapon to hunt with, but, um, the deer are patternable, you know, they're still kind of in that summer phase and, uh, you know, they're always going to be coming back to water. So that's another cool, that's, another nice thing about those dates as well i'd rather hunt them in the rut but if i had to take a second choice i actually kind of like the dates of that archery hunt there's there's two times of the year that big bucks seem to want to stay out in the open more and that's Mm -hmm. august early in august before the pressure ratchets up and november when they're looking for girlfriends yep yep exactly yeah so let's talk a little bit about some of the um, unique hunts or unique opportunities that you, Utah has. I mean, they got their CWMU program. Um, what other program? What other things that I we talk about? The Sportsman's Sports Tag, Tag, those late season hunts. We kind of already mentioned those. So kind of talk a little bit about those things, those items. Um, so me personally, I probably have a decent uh, talking point. I've, I've actually hunted a CMWU recently. So... Um, for, for people that don't know, CMWU is kind of like what, I don't know, Taryn, would you 
would you classify it as kind of like your guys' ranching for wildlife in, yeah, in that, Colorado? That's exactly Somewhere. what I compare it to. It's it's a little bit different, but that's what I compare it to is the ranching for wildlife. So so essentially, uh, it's private land owners that apply to be a part of this program. So what this program does is it gives these landowners a certain amount of tags depending on the amount of wildlife on the property and the size of the property. The stipulation is they have to give 10% of those permits back to the public. So you can apply for this tag, and if you draw it, the one, I guess, I don't know, stickler point is you have to follow the landowner's rules, which is, you know, it's understandable. It's their property. So they'll have, you know, some some are really open and let you kind of have the run of the place. Some are very restrictive, want you to stay on certain spots. You know, it, it's their property. Um, now, the beauty of it is, if you if you get an operator that's that's willing to to look into some things, they they have to give you five days to hunt, and they can't just give you one day you know here one day here one day here they have to at least give you you can split them up but they have to give you consecutive days to hunt so you can get two days and then three days at a different time if you wanted to most operators from what i gather and and, in my experience they they say what five days you want to hunt i'll give you the you know the work week the five day work week or whatever to to hunt Mm um you know it kind of creates you know you know he said she said type of thing i'm i'm sure there's bad apples in the cmw program every year it seems like there's a there's an operator arguing for why he should keep his cwmu status so so basically what that is is if if they treat their their paid hunters and their public hunters it, it actually is both ways if they treat them poorly or they get bad reviews the wildlife board pulls them in and asks them what's going on and and why they're receiving bad reviews and if it's if it's an issue, they'll actually take their CWMU status away. Um, so I've heard horror stories. You know, guys say it's it's terrible, and guys treated me poorly and didn't let me go where I wanted to go. And you know, there's there's that. But but from my experience, my my CWMU hunt was an awesome hunt. It was great. No 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 complaints whatsoever. Um, if you do your research and find a good CMW, there's if you're if you're the kind of guy that wants to maybe not wait ten or twelve or fourteen or, or twenty years, there are CMWs out there that you can get in a little quicker than that. Now that being said, you're, you're obviously not going to get maybe as big of an animal, but you're still going to have an opportunity to get in and, and hunt quicker than say a a premium limited entry unit. Yeah. And just for those that are wondering what CWMU stands for, it's Cooperative Wildlife Management Units. And that's, yeah, ex- exactly. That's that ranching for wildlife is landowners giving you the, the opportunity to hunt on their property. So, and, and, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Seth, in that if you don't want to wait that a lot of years to get that uh, limit entry tag, um, it's a great opportunity. Um, you can go on their on their brochure and it'll show you all the different areas where these uh, tags are at and you know some areas have one tag some areas have six tags some areas have two t- i mean it's just it's a, a wide variety depending on the the size of the property and, and things like that but it's spread out all across the state of utah it's, it's a it's a pretty cool cool opportunity that they have there's, there's some really big ranches in the the northern part of the state that 
give out a lot of public and obviously paid tags, but, but there are some, some up North that, I mean, they're, they're taking 10 or 12 public hunters plus how many ever paid hunters they go throughout, throughout the year. So there are some places that do a, a ton of tags. And like I say, there's some places that are small enough that they're only getting, you know, six or eight or five paid permits that they can go sell. And they're only getting one public tag out. So yeah. one thing I do want to point out on these though. So if you're a resident, you can apply for these, these tags. If you're a non, uh, excuse me, a non-resident, you actually have to call the operator directly and get in touch with them to get one of these tags. Correct. Yep. So. And there's some, there's some, and then they vary just kind of like limited entry units. There's some that are, are low point barrier, easier to get a permit. And then there's some that are rivaling the Ponsagant or, or, the Pavant for elk. I mean, and there's there's some CMWs that that are, you know, you're gonna we you're gonna wait 25 points, but if you draw it, you're gonna shoot a, a incredible once in a lifetime critter, most likely. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. A couple of other opportunities that they have. The dedicated hunter program is a cool opportunity that they have. Maybe there's people that aren't familiar with that. You want to explain that a little bit? Sure, I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was every year that I was a resident. <laughs> So I, I was kind of a scumbag and I just liked bow hunting for a long time. So this is actually my only my second year ever doing it. But oh. so basically dedicated hunter, um, you pay more money up front uh, if you draw the permit, obviously. Um, but what it does is it, it combines. So so you get three hunting years on a dedicated hunter permit for deer. Um, however, you can only harvest two deer in that three-year period so one of those years you are essentially taking a break or scouting for a, a you know a really special deer on a general season unit um how that works or, or how they make it work is, is basically why you're a quote-unquote dedicated hunter is you have to do man hours back into the wildlife program so that can be things like uh fixing fence, taking down fence, building guzzlers for deer to drink out of, um, all sorts of things. Stuff as simple as taking surveys at the local reservoir for fishing. I mean, it covers all of wildlife, not just deer related projects. Um, once you do those man hours, that's when you get your permit. And basically what it does is it guarantees you three years of hunting, um, by, taking advantage of your, your dedicated service to the wildlife program. And so for, just so you guys know, for a resident, like Seth said in the beginning, it's a little bit more expensive. Um, for residents, resident adults, it's $195 for this, to get into this program. For non-residents, it's $1,047. <laughs> oh. I, had, I had no idea. <laughs> That's the re Well, I, and I did because I was going to do that my first year that I could have. Well, actually, I, when I very first came here, I was still dedicated. But the first year that I could actually apply back into the program, I looked at that. And I was like, there is no way that I am going to pay $1,000 to be part of that program. Because then, like you said, you got to go back and do those hours. Is it still 32 yep. hours? I don't Yes, yes, as, as, uh, I got to I got to do eight more. So yep, it's it's 32. Okay. But it's still cool. Like you get a you get a tag for every general season hunt. Um remember you can I guess you can pick whichever one you want and then like Seth said you can kill two deer 
in a three-year span. And so what I always did is the first year, like, I was super picky. And it, I think that's how most people are. You're super picky that first year. Your expectations go down the next year, and your expectations go even further down the following year. Um, yeah. But it allows you to be in the field that much uh, or a lot and be able to really do your due diligence and spend the time to look for that special deer that's on these general units because those deer exist. They are there on these general units in Utah. See, see, and I'll be a little bit different because I was going into this first year, which was last year, the same way you were. I was going to be real picky. (laughs) Then I had had my boy with me, and I, I took a small buck. So now... My second year, because I'm I'm applying for out-of-state hunts, which I have a pretty good chance of drawing. Yeah, <laughs> my, you do. My second year, my second year is going to be the, eh, you know, I'll put some time in and be a little picky, and if I don't get one, that's okay because I have the, the following year to, to go back to there. So. Yep. Exactly. It's it's just cool. It gives you that opportunity to be a little bit picky at some point, in that yep. time that you're not too worried about it you don't, and, get, you don't get any anxiety that you know oh i might be three or four years before i get this tag again and exactly i just need to take something you know you mm-hmm. have the ability to, you know no matter what one of these years i'm not going to be harvesting so yep. you know I can if it's this more, year that's okay yep and if you, more, so. if, if you shoot a 200 inch of the first year and a 200 inch of the second year then you just you just be happy with yourself and take the 30 year off god yeah, dang you, it you give up hunting. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to do that again in two years. Oh, hey, I uh, I got a friend who, I, won't, I guess I won't say where he hunts, but um, gosh, he did it two years in a row, 200 inches, two years in a row on general, unit, general season units in Utah. Back before the extended became as popular as it was, my uncle had a friend that three years in a row shot a 182 a 191 and a like 197 on the extended wow that's amazing <laughs> and that now, is absolutely amazing now he doesn't hunt it <laughs> there's like <laughs> too many freaking people oh yeah yeah <laughs> well so, this guy my friend did it he did that back-to-back years that was only gosh four four years ago four three and four years ago he did that it's like wow i mean they're there so the, they the, are the last one I want to talk about is the sportsman's tag, and um, I've never, obviously, I've never, well, I should say obviously, I've never hunted it. Um, I don't know if you have, but maybe tell us a little bit about that hunt. Nope, I've never been so lucky. So, the sportsman's tag, it's it's similar in some ways to a lot of states, what they call their super hunts, but in other ways, it's a little bit different. Um, so, you, you pay your application fee, um, and then if you get lucky enough to draw it, they, they come back and take out basically what a premium permit cost would be. Now, the reason they do that is because typically with the sportsman's tag, you're getting a much longer season date. So, like, I know on deer, I think they start August 1st, <clears throat> excuse me, August 1st and run clear until, like, the end of the year, I think. I think you... Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the dates here. Deer, elk, pronghorn... Opens August twenty first. Okay, twenty first. Okay. But then yes, goes to December. The last one yeah, looks like December thirty first of that first. Of the year. So. Yeah. So and and I think I, I I'm pretty sure I've read that you can start rifle hunting on mm-hmm. the twenty first of August. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to like you know I love bow hunting and I probably would just do all the seasons 
you know, whenever I wanted to. But yeah. if you had, if you had a super specific animal you wanted to take before, because you still are depending on. So I guess I should go back. Let me go back. You get to hunt pretty much anywhere you want in the state that has a hunt for the animal you have a permit for. So if you draw deer, you can go hunt the Henrys, you can hunt the Ponsagant, you can hunt. You can't hunt the island. I think that's the only place you can. But yeah, you can't. Yep, you can't. <laughs> yeah. So, but you can you can hunt the Oak Creeks. You can go to any of these special limited entry places. Um, I know what one year the guy hunted the property bordering Camp Williams. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow! Is base, yeah, which is an army here and killed an incredible buck that was living most of his time on the army base and then came off to rut. So it, you can hunt anywhere in the state. So. If you have, say, a super Pacific, uh, Pacific, or I can't even talk, specific buck on the Henrys that you want to take before the bow hunters, you know, get him, you can go hunt that same unit while they're hunting with a bow. You can hunt it with a rifle if you wanted to and take that buck. Um, so, so basically, it's it's like winning the hunting lottery in Utah. You You get to hunt some of the best units in the state for an incredibly long time. Um, and just some of the other issues or I guess points is, so if it's, it's deer elk, there's a ton of species, but if, if you draw deer elk or pronghorn and you have points, they don't take those away. So say you draw the sportsman's tag, you don't lose those points. Now, if you draw one of the once in a lifetime animals, which is moose, both sheep species, mountain goat and bison, they will take your once in a lifetime points away from you. Okay. Um, there's also cougar, bear, and turkey, I believe. Yeah, turkey's on there too. Yeah. So if you draw those, same same type of deal. You can hunt wherever you want. And I don't even know the dates on the bear hunt because they have a spring, summer, and a fall bear hunt. So I don't know it's, what they uh, do. It looks like it's the spring dates during the – they're listed in, for two, 2021 is the dates okay. for that. So it's just the spring. But hunt. you can hunt anywhere you want. You're hunting the best bear units in the state, right? <laughs> I love how I love how the brochure puts it. I'm just gonna read real quick from it. Just how it says: it "says Next year you could be the envy of every hunter you know. If you draw a 2022 Utah Sportsman's Permit, you'll have one of the most exciting hunting permits the state offers. Hunters want these permits because the reason that Seth just just said. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a pretty sweet tag if you get it. So, and also I think that's a good thing to point out because it says for 2022, this tag is." You don't go into the normal application period. So as we, as we mentioned, the application period ended March 4th. This is a different application period. To apply for this hunt, I uh, believe the application period opens October 20th of this yeah. year and runs through November 10th. So it's something that you got to kind of put on your calendar. Remember, hey, put in for the sportsman's tag during this time because it's completely separate. Another thing that's important to know is... Non-residents, sorry guys, we're uh, we're screwed on this. This is for residents yeah. only. Taryn doesn't get to put in. Sad day. Yeah, I put in most of my life, but when I moved to Colorado, I had to stop putting in for it. So, dang and it. Let's be honest. Your chances of drawing oh, this is incredibly, incredibly long. Yeah. But if you do, I mean, you're. I mean, I've already got plans because I'll be honest with you. The only two species I put in for because I I feel like I'm I'm narrowing my odds you know i'm not but i i think i am it's deer and deer and bison nice. and i already have plans what's going to happen if i draw the deer permit 
I'm going to spend the early season on the Henrys. The, the whole, you know, most of the time. But if uh-huh. once that rut, once that rut comes, boom, I've been down around the Pontagon and I have seen some giants in some open flats. Yep. <laughs> and I would be over there. So, <laughs> if, you know, if you want to put a value on this tag, look at how much the uh, the governor's tag goes for. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and, and, and you that's can kind of see what you're getting. You're is. basically getting a governor's tag for a fraction of the cost. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty sweet deal if you were to draw it. Like you said, Seth, it's pretty rare that people draw it. Um, but you know, if you're a resident, I, I can't remember what, what is the fee to put in for that. Do you remember, Seth, off the top uh, of your head? Um, it's. I think it's just ten ten bucks. For the application too. fees, and and they let you. I think you can put in one time only, but you can put in one time for all of the species. Yeah. So you could spend a hundred bucks, I think, because there's ten species, and your name's in the hat one time for each species. Yeah. So for that much money, you might as well. I mean, put it in for it. Who knows? You might get it, and yep. and that's a a pretty sweet deal for you guys that are residents there. Yeah. Seth, we. We're kind of at our time limit here. We're at an hour, and I wanted to keep it. Well, you shouldn't have got me talking. Well, I know, man. My goodness, you, you're a long-winded sucker. I'm gonna blame it all on you. <laughs> so I just have, I just have one more thing, and it's just oh. gonna be quick. What you got? Because, because I don't want my antelope guys to be left out. Oh yeah, Monty's um, would be so butthurt over it. Best units in the state. All three of the West Desert units for antelope are awesome. Yep. San Rafael, San Rafael North, Southwest Desert. And a sleeper one is uh, South Slope Bonanza out in the basin. Those are all really good antelope hunts. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm building points for that, too. So once I draw that elk tag when I move back, that's where I'm going next is the antelope. You going to go to the deserts or are you going to go – Oh, for where sure. Are you going to hunt southwest? Yeah, probably yeah. southwest. Southwest desert. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. So but before we go, one thing I did want to talk about, and this is – Kind of big news for Utah right now. Well, it could be big news. I think they're kind of in the middle of it right now. But um, this new Utah bill that has been introduced, and we were kind of talking about it before we hit record, it's it's House Bill 295 that talks about prohibiting um, big game baiting. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? What, what are you thinking? So I, I get I get the thought process, and I'm like I say I'm probably going to get people riled up, but we're already riled up over this. You mess with our <laughs> hunting privileges, we get riled up. <laughs> so I, and my bigger issue, I, I'll go back briefly. My bigger issue was when it was was it it was full on trying to ban trail cameras. Now my biggest issue with that is I have young kids in the house who are not super excited about hunting yet. But boy, when we talk about checking trail cameras, yep, they are through the roof excited to go check the cameras, hang the cameras, help with the cameras, all of it. They are that's what they want to do. Put the salt that on the works. ground, the critter lick on the ground. Yep. yep. Put the stuff on the ground, hang the camera, come back in a month, see what's come by. Yep. They love it. And that hurts my hunting family, me personally, mm-hmm. with them doing this. It it hurts my family. Secondarily, I, I get, you know, they're trying to, you know, spread the animals out, make it more fair, all these things they, they claim. My issue is I, I just, in a lot of parts of this state, I don't see the difference in a farmer having hundreds of acres of, of 
agricultural fields that deer and antelope and elk and everything's attracted to and a guy going up and dumping a five-gallon bucket of apples on the ground or, or whatever he may be using. So I, I, I truly understand that they're, they believe they're doing something that's going to help. I just don't see the benefits they claim it has. See, I'm the same way. The, the, the benefits that they're claiming that it will have, just they don't hold water for me. I think it's a, I think it's a ploy. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm gonna be transparent. I think it's a ploy. I think it's a, a way to make them look good, like they're trying to do something about it. But I think they're trying to attack the wrong beast in Utah. And I think all it's gonna do is just, it's just, it's gonna piss a lot of people off. Is what it's gonna do. Right. So you know, and uh, and I agree. I I mean, I I I heard it prior to before they kind of. So, so anybody that doesn't know, they, they kind of backtracked on banning trail cameras outright, but they've banned any kind of baiting. Um, so you can't put salt on the ground. You can't put critter lick. You can't put deer cocaine. You can't put apples. And so effectively, you're, you're only putting trail cameras on high traffic areas or water. I mean, that's it, um, which I kind of laugh at because technically water's bait. They need it. They've got to come to it. <laughs> Um, so to me, I, I just feel like they're, they're, they're going around in circles because, because yeah. at the beginning, the thing that circled through everybody was, Oh, look at this trail camera or this tree at this water hole with 40 trail cameras on it. It's scaring the deer away from water <laughs> yet you ban bait. So now you're forcing the guys that are still going to hang trail cameras only on water for the most part. Um, I, I just, it seems misguided to me. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with Taryn. I, I think it's, I think it's a feel good, pat themselves on the back type of deal, but it really doesn't do anything for the wildlife in this state. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought up your kids, and you know, so living in Utah, when we would go put truck cameras up, all my kids love that. Like, like that was their favorite part of the whole thing. To be completely honest with you, was taking the salt or whatever and, and pouring it out there, and they just love that part of it. You know, since moving to Colorado, we can't do that. We can't bait here in Colorado, and so. You know, we're we're putting trail cameras on a on a deer trail, hoping that it's still a good one. Which we we found some pretty good ones to use, or like on water. Which you, I mean, I love what you said. That's bait in a way. That is that's baiting. Um, <laughs> but we've had to do that. But we're just not as as successful with it. And my kids love that. They love going checking those those pictures and looking at them. Um, obviously, we use them for hunting as well. But there's there's a whole other aspect to it. So I. Yeah, I think they're trying to tackle the wrong beast. And so I did want to put this out there for you guys that are listening. Um, it's Representative Casey Snyder that's that's put that's introduced this um, this bill, um, and I and I think your voice needs to be heard. And so I want to give some information to contact him and let your voice be heard on this whole topic. And so I'm going to give out his his email address, which is c snyder at le dot utah dot gov. That's c snyder s n i d e r at le.utah.gov. You guys, if you're an archery hunter, if you have kids that you like to take out and put trail cameras up, whatever they, whoever you are, let your kind of your voice be heard on this because this is kind of silly to me. I think there's a lot of other things that they could attack and, and or I shouldn't say attack. That's the wrong word, but modify that would be that would make a bigger difference for big game animals than than something like this i think it's kind of silly yeah and so i don't know like and I, not to rehash it but i i just feel like 
they, it, it was it was a, a band aid. I, I used it when I emailed him. It was like putting a band aid when you've had your arm chopped off. Yep. And putting a band aid on it and going, well, that'll that'll solve our hunting issues or our whatever his case may be. You know, hunting's not really hunting anymore. Issue is what he keeps saying. You know, that that's that's not going to do anything. There's so much more that could be done that would make a larger benefit than than telling a guy he can't put a five pound bag of critter lick on the ground so his kids can see what's there. I mean, dude, I hang cameras all year. I've still got a camera. I've got to go good. Don't arrest me. If the bill goes through. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sitting out in the West desert. I've got to go get it. And I, I leave it up all year. Cause the kids like to see what hits it all through the winter. You know what I mean? It's just, and I do, oh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to use just my kids. I love seeing what's coming through there. I'm not even yeah. hunting right and, and I probably won't hunt very hard on that unit because it's kind of my picky unit, you know, or my picky year. Mm-hmm. But I love to see what's hitting it all year long. How yeah. active is this spot, you know? And and it just creates an issue. Now you're just going to have what, what they were fighting to, they claim to be fighting against, is going to be compounded now because guys aren't going to hang their cameras 500 yards from the water with some critter lick. They're going to hang it eight feet off the water along with the 20 other guys because they have no idea where to put it now. Exactly. Exactly. You know, another thing that's made me, makes me a little bit crazy and I don't want to, I, I don't want to go down on a rabbit hole on this one because I, I really could very easily, but you know, one of the reasons behind him wanting to do this and, and some also members of the, the DWR also made reference to this was they felt like that it congre using critter lick and other baits, it congregates animals in unnatural ways and this, mm-hmm. and they think that that increases the risk of spreading um, chronic wasting disease. Yeah, which uh, don't get me started on chronic wasting disease. I feel like chronic wasting disease has been around forever, and it's just like the, like the coronavirus. The more you test, the more you're going to find. But I mean, it's been around forever. I mean, I I, mm-hmm. I I I truly feel that way. I'm not a biologist, but that's that's how I feel about chronic wasting disease. Is it impacting us? No. Do we need to slaughter all the higher age class deer because of it? I freak no. Um, and so for them to use that as their excuse, I feel like they're trying to pull the heartstrings for people oh, for sure. that they're like, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to spread more disease. No, no, it's no, not. I, Absolutely. I not. Think my, I think my biggest argument to, to all this is there's, there's a very debatable, counter argument to everything they've claimed yep. if if baiting is congregating deer <laughs> then you better get into your pockets and actually provide landowners and and farmers with anti-wildlife true anti-wildlife fencing yep because i can tell you right now i can go down the street to the local orchard yep and there will be 40 to 75 deer inside that orchard that have pushed against that fence until they create a hole mm-hmm. and then the guy has to go back through and refence it and then three weeks from now there'll be another hole yep and the same thing goes for alfalfa and corn and milo and anything that anybody grows in any state it's a food source it's an artificial food source if you want to get critical alfalfa and corn were not here 200 years ago exactly those they- deer an elk and antelope. Uh, there's antelope's a huge problem. They mm-hmm. they get into hayfield, never leave. Yep. They'll they'll live there. They will live there because they they lay out in the open anyway. Yep. They drink out of the the 
uh, ruts from the wheel lines. The wheel lines cut a hole, leave water in it every morning. They go get a drink, and they just live in the hayfield. Yep. If you're going to use that, I'm sorry, but that BS excuse, you have no real data to back up what you're trying to do. Yep. Again, it doesn't hold water. That just is that is a poor, poor excuse to say that we shouldn't use baiting. Uh, that, yeah. Yep. Go look at a hayfield. Drive down a hayfield. I can tell you right now, my, my 12 pounds of critter lick or 5-pound rock <laughs> or whatever I dump gets four deer every couple days for 20 minutes yep you're gonna you're gonna tell me that the alfalfa field that i know is just down the road from where my critter lick is i've seen them they live in it man the deer will be in there from morning and night for four to six hours and that's just daylight and then dark they're in it the whole day and there's a hundred of them in it so a hundred deer in an alfalfa fields or five or six deer at my critter lick i i just yeah, to me that's just another excuse to try to pull at people's heartstrings instead of actually discussing items that would help. Yeah, so the moral of the story is don't let it pull at your heartstrings and let your voice be heard on this because this, that, that cannot happen. It's just taking away more of our rights for no reason. And I, like I said, I live in Colorado where I feel like more and more of my rights are taken away every day. Hence the reason I want to move back to Utah. Um, don't let it happen. The, uh Representative Snyder needs to hear from you. I've sent emails. Sounds like you've sent an email as well, Seth. Um, everybody needs to be sending their emails about that. So I did want to touch on that just because that does impact um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, tonight with the uh, the changes in Utah, hunting in Utah. It's such a cool opportunity. It's a great state to hunt in. I mean, it's hard to beat Utah hunting. I mean, it. Yeah, I'm. I'm blessed to have been born and raised there. You're been, you've been blessed to have been born and raised there, and um, it's just a, it's a great place to hunt big game. As a resident, it's it's really good. I can see the the difficulty for some of the non-resident hunting. You're you're, you're going to be getting general season or or over the counter permits, but yeah. but as a resident, they they have done a, a a decent job in creating some really good opportunities and some really good wildlife. Truth be told, if you're a non-resident and you want to hunt a, if you want to hunt deer and elk, honestly, the best place to go is is where I'm at now, Colorado. You can't beat Colorado for opportunity and and things like that for, honestly, for non-residents, especially deer opportunity and quality. Yep. You yep. know, I mean, you can you can grab a, a deer unit, and and Utah's somewhat done that with their general season. I, I truly believe every general season unit in the state now has true quality bucks on it. They're going to be hard to find because mm-hmm. that's a higher age class. It takes a long time to get that old. Yeah. And yep. they got to dodge a lot of people and a lot of guns, <laughs> but Utah's getting there with their deer. I think there, there are units that have quality deer on every single or every quality deer on, on every single unit, but Colorado, when it comes to deer for, you can toe the line, you can either do extreme quality or you can do, extreme opportunity but even those opportunity hunts you see trophy class deer come off of them every year yep definitely i think our next state specific podcast should be on colorado seth what do you think yeah i think so then i can ask i can ask you all the questions there we go i could answer pretty much every question about this state gosh i felt like i've been in uh colorado hunting 101 the last several years of my life when i first came here what's that i said we'll have a whole section on hunting with llamas yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's crazy you know because 
know, I've hunted in Utah my whole life. Then I came here and I had to learn how to learn all the regulations, how to learn where to go, what seasons are best, what units are best. I mean, I I've become kind of an encyclopedia for Colorado hunting, so that would be a lot of fun to do. Yeah, that'll be good. So, all right, well, Seth, anything else to to wrap this up and put a bow on it? Any other comments you want to make? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, Divisional Wildlife guys, if you happen to listen, move my freaking buffalo archery hunt back, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are listening and you're taking recommendations, just give me a call. Um, yeah. I'll give you my phone number later, but... Yeah, give me a call. I have I have so many recommendations for Utah. Um, mainly just put my all my applications at the top of the list too. I pref- I'd appreciate that. So <laughs> we require uh, payment in forms of hunting permits if we yes. thing that gets through. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate your support. We hope this is helpful doing these podcasts. Um, we're really trying to be a resource to you. Please go check out the website, ehunter.com, E-H-U-N-T-R.com. A lot of content up on the website. Um, check out some of our other podcasts. Don't forget, we have a YouTube page. We have the eHunter store. I mean, we have so much going on right now. So um, make sure and check those things out. Again, please subscribe to the podcast. Share it around. And then if you guys wouldn't mind, please leave us um, a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get to the top of the list when you're searching for hunting podcasts. So... Um, also, can, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, you can follow us on Spotify. We're on basically all of them, but Spotify is what I use. Uh, you can't leave a review, but you can follow us, and it lets us know that you are tracking our podcast. Yeah, we're really everywhere now. I mean, uh, I guess not now since the beginning. I mean, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. I mean, really, you can find us pretty much everywhere now. So. And also, before we end, I did want to, again, thank our sponsors, both Vortex Optics and PhoneScope. Uh, appreciate their support of the podcast and uh, for everything that they do for us at, he- at eHunter. So, thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll sign off, and we'll talk to you guys all later. Thank you. See ya. <laughs>